You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. Israel had corrected the situation. It's done. The sin's gone. We got it out of the camp. And following God's lead, they blotted it completely out. They removed the accursed things from the camp. It was time to move on. And now it was time to recover the lost ground. See, recovering the lost ground in our Christian walk sometimes seems like the most difficult problem of all. And this is what God is going to show Israel. And that's why I think this chapter is so important to us to live the victorious Christian life. We must know how to recover the ground that we've lost. As Christians, we're acutely aware of when we sin. Sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to recover from our fall. Pastor Dave will continue teaching from the book of Joshua, dealing with the sin of Achan, God's judgment, Israel's defeat, and God's prescription for fixing the problem of sin in their camp. Now here's Pastor Dave with part one of today's message, Press Onward. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 8, so if you will turn into your words. Interesting chapter, a chapter that we might just as easily put aside and say, you know what, we're going to move on to something more interesting. But I think as I studied this chapter and as I looked at it and as I read and as I prayed, the Lord kept pressing upon my heart how much of an important chapter this is. Granted, you're probably thinking, well, that's unusual, Pastor Dave. All the chapters in the Bible are important. Yes, they are. But we tend to skip over some things sometimes. And I'm, I'm thinking that Israel fell. Israel sinned greatly, and God called them on it. But they did repent. And they did blot out the sin. In fact, they eradicated the sin and eradicated all things associated with the sin. But in the victorious Christian life, we are going to fail at times. We are going to fail. We are going to repent of our sin, hopefully. We're going to blot that part out, and hopefully we're going to move on. But then what happens? What do we do next? I could have entitled this, After the Fall... I could have entitled this, What Do We Do Next? But I decided to call this Pressing Onward. Pressing Onward. Because that's what we need to do as Christians. We can't sit around and lament about our mistake. We can't sit around and say, Oh, woe is me, I failed God. Well, yeah, you did. And he knows it. But he also forgave you. He's also saying, get up and get moving again. Continue to move. So that's what I see in this. And, and as I was studying this, I came across a quote from F.W. Robertson. I like this guy for several reasons. Number one is his last name, Robertson, was my mother's maiden name. She was a Robertson. So he's a relative. Secondly, I am endeared to this man because as he was a pastor... He struggled with depression, struggled with various things. And some of you who know me, I struggle with these things also. So I really, really enjoy this man. But he gave a sermon on August 12th of 1849. 
And this is what he said, quote, Life, like war, is a series of mistakes. And he is not the best Christian, nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victories by retrieval of mistakes. I love that. He says, forget mistakes. Instead, organize victories out of mistakes. I really like that. And you'll see that it goes along with what we're going to look at tonight in chapter 8. Now, like I said, as we studied chapter 7 last week, we saw that Israel had sinned before God. You can read that back in 7 verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. And it goes on to tell you what the trespass was. Also in verse 11. In verse 11, God is speaking to Joshua. He says, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. So we see Israel had sinned. What was the sin? Someone took of the accursed things. They were told before they went into Jericho, don't touch any of the accursed things and don't touch any of the spoil because it belongs to the Lord. And we talked about that being the first fruit. All the first fruit belongs to God. And we should apply that in our lives. All our first fruit, all that first increase belongs to God, including our money. It all belongs to God because it all comes from God anyhow. And I was talking to my wife the other day as we were coming from some place, and I just realized it really dawned on me, not that I didn't know this, but you know how sometimes when you remember something, it's almost like, wow, how much I had and that everything that I have received came from God. Every single parcel that I might receive or ever will receive came from God's hand. And there is a first fruit. A first fruit belongs to him. First fruit. Even to the point in Israel, they were supposed to dedicate their firstborn to him. In a dedication process. Not in sacrifice, don't go there. But in committing the child to the Lord. Lord, he's yours. To do with what you need to do. So, someone in the camp sinned. We know that his name is Achan. But the result of these transgressions multiplied in the camp. It affected the entire camp. And we talked about that. How sometimes a sin can infect an entire group of people. Why? Because we're one in Christ. And what you do affects me and what I do affects you. And we can be caught up in sin. We can be caught up in trespasses. The series of transgressions that happened was, number one, Joshua failed to seek the Lord for the next battle. He failed to come to the Lord for directions. It was basically, I got this one, Lord. Stand back. Self-confidence. Pride. You know what happens with pride comes before a fall. Joshua went into battle without the Lord. He was overconfident. And he failed prey because he failed to pray. He failed to pray and seek the Lord's guidance. The nation was in total disobedience because of that. The result was a stinging defeat at the hand of Ai, the next city on the list to be conquered. Not only that, but of the 3,000 men that Joshua sent, 36 of them died. 36 of them died needlessly. Needlessly, because Joshua didn't do what he had said he would do. Israel had failed. 
But God, in his infinite mercy, in his infinite and wonderful grace, showed this to Joshua. Showed this to Joshua and told him how they could ferret out who sinned. They did just that. The whole nation got together and they went person by person, tribe by tribe, group by group, and they came down to Achan. And Achan confessed his sin. I saw it. I coveted it. I took it. And then I hid it. That was his sin. And we said, look at Eve. Same situation with Adam and Eve in the garden. They saw the fruit. Looked pretty good. Why can't we eat it? They saw it. They wanted it. They took it. They ate it. And then after they ate it, they hid from God. So Achan confesses his sin. God shows Israel what to do with that. They have to blot out that sin. They have to remove it completely from them. And once they did that, once they took care of the sin that defiled their camp, God once again was free to speak to them. He was free now to come and commune with them once again. He was ready to direct them, and he was ready to lead them as they move forward and continue to conquer the land of Canaan. Oh, Christian, how our sin keeps us from hearing God. How our sin keeps him from answering our prayers. How our sin blocks what we have. Oh, it's horrible. But once we repent of our sin, once we confess it to him, the scripture says he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God does. God cleanses us from all unrighteousness when we repent. Remember, we talked about repentance, turning from our sin and turning to God, leaving our sin behind and moving towards God. Once we are right with the Lord, he then can again lead us. He then can again have us follow him. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 37, a glorious psalm, by the way, that you should read from time to time, a great, wonderful psalm. In verses 23 and 24, in Psalm 37, it says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, the Lord, delights in his way. Though he fall, now he's talking about the man, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Wow, I love that. When we are restored to God by our confession and our repentance, how glorious it is when God then ordains our steps. When God once again goes before us and shows us the way. You know, we sit before God and we talk and we talk and we talk. I'm not getting anywhere. Many, many times David sat before God and said, examine me, Lord, to see if there's any wicked way in me. Am I doing something wrong? We need to clean that out. We need to get rid of that. The psalmist said, God is going to lead me in the right path. And if I stumble, he's going to pick me up and place me on that path. Israel stumbled. They stumbled hard. They fell hard. But once God showed them the error of their ways, and once they repented, and once they did exactly what God told them to do, he was right back there and picked them up to lead them again. It's the same way it happens in our life. It's the same thing happens in our life. God orders the step of a good man, not only in his way in general, but in his written word. He orders our particular steps by whispers from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit guides us and leads us if we would but have ears to hear him. If we would have ears to sit before him. 
The Holy Spirit says, this is the way. Walk you in it. Walk this way in this way that I've given you to walk. He doesn't always show us what's at the distance, but he leads us step by step. As children are led, step by step. And he keeps us in his continual dependence upon his guidance. We must depend upon his guidance. This is what Israel's coming back to. God delights in us, and he's well pleased in us as we walk the paths of righteousness. We just read from Paul, not having my own righteousness, but a righteousness that comes from God. Remember, when we were studying it, we called it a God kind of righteousness. A righteousness that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. That's our righteousness. We believe God because we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We believe in what he did on the cross, took our sins upon himself. We believe that. God orders our way according to his own will, and he delights in it as he gives his love and puts his image in us. This is what he's doing in the nation of Israel. This is what he's doing in them. The Lord wants to direct their steps of this nation. And he wants to now time to move. As the victorious Christian, no matter what mistakes you make, the worst mistake is to not try again. The worst mistakes you can make is not try again. The great Alexander White said this, quote, The victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings, unquote. Israel had corrected the situation. It's done. The sin's gone. We got it out of the camp. And following God's lead, they blotted it completely out. They removed the accursed things from the camp. It was time to move on. And now it was time to recover the lost ground. See, recovering the lost ground in our Christian walk sometimes seems like the most difficult problem of all. And this is what God is going to show Israel. And that's why I think this chapter is so important to us to live the victorious Christian life. We must know how to recover the ground that we've lost. Now that his relationship is restored to God... Joshua hears from the Lord once again. Look at verse 1 in chapter 8. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. Right away, the Lord's encouraging him once again. Right away, the Lord is restoring him once again. They're right away. They're now in step again. One with another, just like they were before. Joshua got rid of the sin. Joshua took care of the problem. And now God's saying, okay, let's go. Here we are. Come on, we're going to move on. This is the same thing that happens in your life when you fail. You just got to come back to God and say, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Discouragement over the past experience and then fear of what might happen in the future, these are normal reactions after a failure. You might fail and you're supremely discouraged. I got a little news for you. Between you and God, the only one that's discouraged about your failure, and the only one that's surprised about your failure, is you. God's not surprised. Remember, he knows all. He's seen the big picture. He knows all. But because of our failures, we become ER. Oh, woe, oh, woe's me. Can't do, no, no, can't do it. Oh, my gosh. I can't witness to that person because I'm a sinner. Well, yeah, you are. Join the club. We're all sinners saved by grace. But see, the discouragement holds us back, and that's, that's the evil one's ploy. The evil one's ploy is to use that sin against you, and he's going to constantly bring that sin up ever before your face and show it to you time and time again, especially if you try to serve God. But you need to know that God has taken that and that he has thrown it into the depths of the sea. 
As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from me. Ooh, wait a minute. We need to move. The Lord clearly tells Joshua, don't be afraid or dismayed. When we as Christians are trying to recover from our failure and are discouraged and fearful, we must listen and remember God's words. We must listen and ever remember God's words. This is why we need to be students of his word. So many times in his word, he tells us, fear not. And that's what I love about, about Psalm 37. I read Psalm 37 a couple of times a week sometimes. I mean, if you just go through the first words, don't fret. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. Verse 4, delight yourself and also in the Lord. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. 7, rest in the Lord. Don't fret. Don't fret. It goes on and on and on. It, it gives us an encouragement. It shows us that we can move forward. The Lord will never discourage his children from making his progress. We looked at Philippians 3 at the beginning. In that same passage, in chapter 3, going down one, I read from 7 to 11, but starting in verse 12 to the end of that, to that thought, in verse 16, listen to what Paul says here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are have this mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even that to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have been already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This is what God is telling Israel right now. Get up. Start moving. Stop wallowing in your defeat. Stop thinking about it. Stop saying, woe is me, and move forward. Move forward, Christian. The time is now. Press onward. Don't look behind. Don't dwell on past failures. Don't dwell on past victories. Dwell on what's before you. Dwell on what the Lord is showing you. Dwell on the things. Press forward to what? The glorious prize of the high calling. The prize of Jesus Christ that's going to be there. This should be the rule for the victorious life for the Christian. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward. See, everything's moving forward. Talks about nothing of a retreating here. We're moving forward. There's only one option for the Christian after a fall. Press on. No turning back. You press onward. The Lord tells Joshua, get moving. Get moving. What's past is past. I remember, I love what he said in verse 1b. He says, go back to Joshua. Because I'll get my place, right? I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, his land. He says, get moving. I've given the city to you. And this is God's promise and Joshua's guarantee of victory. And as a victorious Christian, we must also take God's promises and follow them by faith. God has made many precious promises that Peter says that we have. This is why we must spend time in God's word. This is why we know God's word, so we can bring them up in our hearts when these times come. I love what, what the Lord says to Joshua in chapter 7, verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face when Joshua was spread before the Lord carrying his clothes because of the sin? The Lord says, get up. He's saying that now to you, Christian. Yeah, you failed. But get up. 
Time for lamenting is over. Again, I go back to the woman caught in adultery. Jesus didn't give her any time at all, did he? He just said, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? They're not around. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See the action. Go. Go and sin no more. Go about your life, and now don't sin. Get moving. Why does the Lord want us to be moving? What do you think? Why does the Lord want us to be moving? Well, I think I have a couple examples. How many of you remember cars before power steering? I do. You ever try to turn a steering wheel before a car with power steering? You know, when the car was steady there. But when the car started to move, it was pretty easy to steer it, wasn't it? How many of you own a boat? I know we have some boat owners in here. How much does that rudder help you when you're at dock? Doesn't help you at all, does it? But when the boat's moving and you start to change the rudder, what happens? You move direction, don't you? you got to be moving so that the Lord can guide you. That's why he's telling these guys, get going. I'm ready to guide you, but you're just sitting around having a powwow. Stop singing kumbaya and let's get going. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. These must have been sorrowful words for those who loved the man Achan. These must have been sorrowful words for them. If Achan would have only waited. If Achan would have only waited and given to God what God says was his, the first fruits of that victory from Jericho, he would have been alive to enjoy now all the fruits and all the spoil from Ai. Lord says, take it, it's yours. I've gotten my first fruits. Take them now. Sometimes we get so impatient. We don't wait on the Lord and we fall just before the victory. Sometimes we're this close to victory and because we don't listen and we don't follow the Lord, we crash and burn and we're only that far from victory. Achan was only that far from victory. Once again, the Lord then shows Joshua his plan for victory. See, the Lord always has a plan he wants you to follow. The Lord always has a plan for he wants you to follow. And you know what's cool about this? Is for as many people are in this room, that's probably how many plans the Lord has. One for each of us. Your plan might not be my plan. But I have to follow my plan, you have to follow your plan. You have to follow the plan and the life that the Lord has for you. The Lord has laid out for you. He wants us to follow it. It's the only way to victory. It's very interesting to me, since the guys are studying Proverbs on Saturday mornings, in Proverbs 14.12, and again in Proverbs 16.25, Solomon says this, There is a way that seems right to a man. Yes. But its end is the way of death. Ooh. It's interesting to me that it appears twice. So what that tells me is, this is pretty important stuff. For the Lord to have to repeat it, for the Lord to have to say it a couple times, because he knows how thick I am, I need to hear it several times before it sinks in. This is important stuff. He says, hey, there's a way that seems pretty right to you. But the way is death. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua here on Cape Watch Radio. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about Cape Watch Radio by visiting our website, capewatchradio.com. There you'll find an array of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, 
Setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound, biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have small children, please feel free to give us a call to find out which service will fit your family best. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Cape Watch Radio.